Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Gordon. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. you going to hate it? Yeah. One more time. One more time. Get this drill right. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host Ryan Watson on Twitter at Ryan on Broadway and Jonathan Bourne on Twitter at JB on Broad. You can only find us on Broadway Sports at broadwaysportsmedia.com where for a limited time you can get an all-access membership for $5 a month for life, which will end July 26th. So hurry up and grab that deal. And as part of the Broadway Sports Media family, you'll not only get our podcast, which you already love, but also other great podcasts like the Home Run Throwback, Football and Other F-Words, and the Flex for great fantasy content. We'll also have great film breakdowns, including film sessions with players and articles written by some of your favorites like John Glennon and Mike Herndon. So find out more at broadwaysportsmedia.com. I like that. That one was solid. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Coach's Corner. Part of Broadway Sports Network. Welcome back, my friend. We're here. We're live. Feels good to be back. Absolutely. The artist formerly known as Taking It to the House Sports. We're here. (sighs) Feels good to have a mic in front of my face again talking about football, man. Again, I'm Ryan Watson. With me, Jonathan Bourne. I'm loving this, dude. Loving our new setup. Loving being back talking about football from a coach's perspective. No better time to be alive than right now, man. Slightly upgraded equipment. We're not talking into two empty cans with string attached anymore. Yeah, I couldn't find the string again. I just it got lost in the house somewhere. Yeah, and that would that would have been just way too expensive to replace. So, uh, so instead, I spent the money on a soundboard and two mics that actually isolate noise and all this good stuff. So, hey, yeah. hopefully, you, the listener at home, can enjoy the money we spent. Yeah, Ryan will be hosting a uh, budgeting podcast that will be <laughs> debuting here in a couple of days. I at least can give recommendations on equipment because, trust me, I went through quite a bit of YouTube videos and spreadsheets, reviews online, and this was the equipment we sold. But we're not here to talk about equipment and not talk about what we have, other than it is expensive and it sounds great. We're here to talk about Football, specifically the Titans, from a coach's perspective, part of this coach's corner thing that we've got going on. Talk about a little bit, anyone who's joining us from our last show, kind of where have we been, what happened, took a little bit of a break. Yeah, I think probably the easiest way to say that is, uh, you know, life happened. So uh, I think a a kid popped out here or there and uh, definitely took some time, just transition in life, but never lost that itch to, to get back here and communicate and uh, put stuff out there. So that passion's there, and so we're back. Yeah, and just on that note, because we do record this out of our home, you may from time to time hear a three-year-old come up to the mic because, sorry, anyone that has kids out there, unpredictable to say the least. Yeah, and frankly, we figured we needed some education on here, so that's the reason we bring the kids on from time to time. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully um, hoping my eight-year-old can come in here and diagnose his own play for me. That'd be great. You know, a little, little four, three, little four, three and how to attack it. Perfect. So, but as I said in my wonderfully thought out and totally not just thrown out their intro, we are a part of Broadway Sports Network and you've worked really hard 
on getting this together and along with a lot of other people and it's really coming together and going to be very exciting. Tell everyone a little bit about what to expect or what's going on with Broadway sports and what we're here for. Yeah, so Broadway sports was kind of an idea uh, among several contributors who have been parts of other various forms of media. And in kind of a moment of conversation, it's uh, was a, hey, we should come together and do this. And me not to be one to just sit there and take an idea lightly, but to say, okay, cool, we're doing it. Uh, kind of came together pretty quickly. And so really excited to kind of roll it out. We kind of see that there's this opportunity in this market. We have a lot of people that come from like, your national brands or your large companies that are here that tell us the sports media coverage. And not that they necessarily do a bad job, but what we really see is somebody to have that sort of investment in this market. It's a growing market, got growing teams. But to have somebody here to provide that kind of quality coverage and not just cliche material or speaking on something they haven't done the research on, but to be able to be involved in it, have the passion about it, and be able to not necessarily agree with everybody that's out there, but at the same time have enough education and knowledge on the subject to actually speak to it. Yeah, and, and to your point there, it's kind of frustrating when you do get the national news that there's only, I think, one good uh, wake-up football uh, there's only one show out there that even talks positively about the Titans and Nashville as a whole is thought of as a small market. So it doesn't get a whole lot of love. So why not inject some of that love into a broadcast? Yeah. So we, we look at, we look at what is that opportunity? Is it in uh, podcasts? Is it in video? Is it in uh, content uh, articles being written? Is it in uh, any of these sort of things? And my answer would be yes, it's all out there. And so Broadway sports media is, a, is an idea of bringing that all-encompassing view. Yes, we are going to bring primarily Titans content, but look, Broadway and Nashville is bigger than just the Titans. So there is definitely going to be opportunities to branch out, provide that kind of content for other sports, those other co those other conversations that just is Nashville. It's an area of growing culture. We want to provide that. A lot of excitement around the Predators in recent years, the, the Nashville Soccer Club. I'm looking forward to learning more about soccer. I've been uh, I've been just a telling myself here, being the, the stereotypical football player, football coach, I was always against soccer. I never played it. Uh, Thanks in main part to my relationship with you and hanging out and having you explain to me formations, what the game was about, watching World Cups. I love soccer now, and I am looking forward to meet, to learning more about it through some things, seeing how this Nashville buzz can really start to take a hold of growth. I mean, we're, we've got a major league soccer team here. It's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're from uh, Alabama or something, so yeah. you needed some culture in yes. your life. <laughs> well, soccer's not as not real big down there. Surprisingly, it's it's football and, and and Talladega and all that good stuff. So I think baseball is pretty big too. But two of the things, especially in South Alabama, we've got beaches, but we don't have a whole lot of hockey. So it's kind of nice to come back up here and, and and see that. And grew up in hockey. I did grow up in hockey town, believe it or not. So I did miss that. So it's nice to be back for that too. So that's a pretty good overlook we'll have obviously there'll be more information coming out more shows on our website i'll plug this a couple times broadwaysportsmedia.com for all of our content there'll be multiple shows articles lots of things to to see and do that's that's a good view of broadway sports let's talk about what we're going to be as coaches corner here and i don't i'll let you speak to it in a second but what we're going to do is we're going to talk about football we're going to talk about the Titans. We both have a background in coaching. We both have a passion for the game. We're looking for a way to have that output. We're hopefully y'all will enjoy the ride that we're going to go on here. We're going to try to attack this from a coach's perspective, not only give you our opinions on what happened, but maybe 
talk about some of the decisions behind some of the actions that they take. Maybe go through and discuss certain plays, breakdowns, why this worked, why it didn't, what they were possibly thinking. Kind of give that angle instead of just reporting on, well, this play didn't work because I hear that a ton. And I always want to see, and I, I see all of these disputes back and forth on Twitter, and the ones that I really love are on social media, and the ones I really love are the ones that actually go in depth and actually break down. And that's what we're going to try to bring is, hey, that play didn't work. Here's why. Because I, as a, as a former offensive lineman, it was always amazing to go back and watch film. And how many people I've talked to, they just see a play didn't work, and they say, quit running the ball, it's not working. And I go back and watch film, it's literally one missed block. It is the backside guy didn't get cut off the, the nose tackle or the one technique, and he made the play, or didn't quite climb to the linebacker, and it just messed everything up. And you can't just give up on something if it's just one minute thing. Now, if, now if the entire offensive line got their knees bent back and they're, they're in the backfield, then yeah, okay, I, maybe we need to go to something else. But that's what we're going to kind of do is kind of look and analyze those kind of angles so that we're not just screaming, that sucks. We're going to tell you why it sucks. Yeah, and I think one of the things you kind of highlighted there at the beginning, you always hear these people that say because of the outcome, something's a bad decision. I think one thing that I, I definitely take pride in is a, a good decision is good regardless of outcome, and a bad decision is bad regardless of outcome. So things happen. You can't predict the future, but you can absolutely give yourself the best odds to win a game or a play or a series, and those are the kind of decisions we really want to dive into, that strategic look not just from an X's and O's, but from just an overall game strategy. That's what we really want to dive into, and I think we bring some unique perspectives on that. So uh, I think I, I value the uh, the opinion of the guy that out in Arkansas that's ki- that's Heck never yeah, kicking, man. going Heck for yeah. it every time. You know, that's a little extreme. Not sure it, it's I, easier I'm for to it. do. I am all for it, though. That is that is good football. Like, anything that's that radical and, and works – you know, that's, that's just, when you think about it, the stats are in his favor for, for the most part. I mean, the, the, the percentages, let me say that. Yep. It's, it's fun. Yeah, so it, it's those kinds of things. I think there, there's value in doing things for uh, that have shown that they can be valuable, not just because uh, that's the way you've always done things. So that's kind of the perspective we're hoping to bring yep. here. Uh, hope to interact with lots of people, and frankly, we're, we're, we're going to have fun with it. And a little more of hindsight is always twenty twenty, and we're – but you don't always get that in the moment. So we're going to try to attack more what they were thinking in the moment, just to kind of sum everything up. Cause I'm so, it, it makes me mad to say, well, well, yeah, well you would have made a decision, different decision had you known the outcome, but that's, you don't get that. You don't get that leniency or that, that ability to, to foresee the future to see this play is not going to work. Cause if they did, then they wouldn't call a failing play ever. I mean, it's just one thing I don't want to see is repeated bad calls and then going with the percentages making the best you can because that's parenting you don't you don't know what's going to happen with your kids you just try to put them in the best position you can make the best decisions they can hopefully everything works out so moving on we can't really talk about where everything is going without talking about where we've been and just to hit on a couple things here we're entering i think year three of a five-year deal for mike Vrabel. the team seems to be taking a different tone under him from past but let's talk about this previous season nine and seven second in the south ended in the AFC championship game with a loss to the Chiefs. What are your overall feelings about the season, kind of how it went? Yeah, I think the end result, losing the AFC championship game, had you said that that, that was going to be the end result this time last year, I would have been like, well, yeah, that, that definitely tells me that they kind of took that step, that good to great step they talked all offseason about. The fact they were 9-7, and seven, to get there, and it really was they were in playoff mode the entire second half of the season because of their slow start. So 
it's kind of a mixed bag on answers uh, as far as, you know, the 9-7 and seven record. I don't think you can say that's the good to great step, but they definitely stepped up. And a lot of that coincided with the, with the quarterback change. So moving to a to a Ryan Tannehill, and you can talk here in a moment just about the complications and the decisions that go into it. But from from a Rabel point of view, the end result was they lost the AFC Championship game. So it's hard to be upset with that. However, how they got there, we talk about good decisions and bad decisions are what they are. Regardless, um, there's definitely some questions out there. Yeah, I think. Y- Beginning of the season, you tell me they're going to make it the AFC Championship game without telling me the result. I'm like, I've signed me up. I don't even care if they make it the Super Bowl. If they if they go to the AFC Championship game, that is a successful season. Now, if you tell me that they're going to the AFC Championship game after that that first four or five game start, you're a liar. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna slap somebody. You're lying to me. There's no way this season I'm seeing going on now is going to turn into that. And of course, the spark was the quarterback change. Anyone who denies that or says that it wasn't in part by the change to Ryan Tannehill, just isn't paying attention. And I hate to be that blunt about it, but there was a clear difference. And we'll get – I don't want to harp too much on that because we're going to spend some time on that in just a second. But – Wait, wait, wait. You, you don't want to spend this pod talking about the debate between Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill? I'm kind I, of over it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really feel like that topic's been discussed very much in no, this yeah, market. No, yeah, it's definitely so. – yeah, no kidding. And people are still talking about it. It's just – it's it's – It'll be over once. I, I think it'll truly be over once Mariota's retired. I think that's the only time it'll really ever be over. And I get it. He's a great guy. I liked him. I hope for I hope for better things than what happened. He It wasn't all his fault. He didn't develop like we thought he was going to. And again, not all his fault. But it, the problem is it didn't take the next step, and there needed to be a change this year. The other problem I have with it is a 9-7 and seven regular season. It seems like they're always around that 500 mark. They're always close at the end of the regular season. And, and then, again, I agree with everyone. That's not a great recipe for continued success because if you're hoping nine and seven is going to get you in the playoffs every year it's not always guaranteed depending on how the season goes depending on how the other team play so you want to be able to win your division get at least one playoff win at home hopefully game at home excuse me not say win i'd love a playoff win at home but just a game i'll start there and get some fans out there to the the stadium to the nissan stadium or the titan stadium and be able to Really grow that excitement for the Titans, like like the like we talked about with soccer and the hockey's growing as well to continue that excitement in the city. So I'm not exactly happy with the nine seven part of that, but again, AFC Championship can't be unhappy there, especially when you consider what all they went through. And the man that was leading them through this has caught his own amount of flack throughout the season, as any new coach should and and will. But I really got to say I've enjoyed a lot about what Vrabel has brought to this team. A lot about the direction where they're going. John Robinson is included in this because they brought a toughness through how they've drafted, who they've drafted, who they've brought in. There's clearly a type of player they want on this team and clearly an attitude they want for this team to have. It's not your, it's kind of refreshing for me as, again, I'm going to say I'm an offensive lineman 400 times, but as someone who really likes to see the ground and pound play action off of that, trickeration off of that it's really not it's really refreshing in this day and age to see when everyone's going to the spread everything this seeing some gamesmanship and trying to control a game and getting the players in here who can do that but let's focus on the coach part of this what are your overall thoughts after the second year with Vrabel and and where he's leading this team so one of the things that kind of jumps out is uh his his aggression so I think there were situations where um one I talked about you know 
totally am down with the guy that's going for it every single time. Realistically, I think there's a time and a place for things, and I do think that there's some uh, bravado that gets in. And now, that's also something that the players resonate with, so there's probably more to that in the fact that he does just go with his gut on a lot of these things. A lot of times he does tend to be correct, or at least... Um, not inherently wrong is maybe the best way to do it because there are situations where it's not necessarily a right or wrong decision and it's more of a, hey, was this just a completely stupid decision? Now, I think what ends up happening, you get into that gray area of, eh, I can see the logic here or I can't, um, and, and then when the thing goes wrong, then everybody's, oh, it was stupid to even do it. That's not the case. You get into those gray areas and I tend to err on the side of being aggressive because that's going to pay off in the long run. The players love it, and statistically speaking, if you have an offense that is able to wear somebody down, if you can steal a possession, that's just as much, That's just as valuable as a turnover. So I think whenever you look at that, I, I've loved the aggression. Is there some time and place issues about where he needs to be careful about when he's going for it and putting the game on the line, or when he can just kick a field goal and put the game away? I think that was the Atlanta game last year. And so those are the situations where, okay, cool, cool, got it. You want to send a message, but at the same time, you can just take this win. What, what's the family guy meme there? It's like, why would I take this boat? I can look what, behind door number two. It could be a anything. box could be anything. Yeah, a box even a, a boat. Box. It could even be a boat. Exactly. The boat in front of you. So, so those are the times where I think you need that guy there that can uh, just say, hey, hey, just yeah. kick it, man. So controlled aggression, I think, is where we like to see. I love the aggression. And to, to use your example, we, we all both said that we liked the Arkansas. And I, I apologize for not knowing the gentleman's name off the top of my head. But he, he is truly the, the epitome of aggression. But let's, let's be honest, there's a bit of a difference between high school stakes and National Football League stakes. And so where I do like the aggression, the aggression and the message it sends to not only players but the other team, controlled aggression I think is what I'd like to see happen here. And, and, and choose your spots. Because if you're always aggressive, then what does the other team think you're going to do in a situation? Because what's the reward? They guessed wrong and you were safe and you kicked the field goal? I mean, there's not much benefit there. You don't really get to catch people off guard. So, so hopefully he'll continue to, to, I don't want to say rely on his numbers because I don't think that's who Vrabel is, but maybe listen to them more and at least take them into consideration. And maybe that skews a, a, a few of his decisions in the safer path as we move forward. But I don't want him to lose the aggression because I think that's the identity of this team. I also think he's, he's a leader of men. He's a player's coach. That locker room, if you've seen any of the, the post-game interviews, how they react to him, that locker room, that roster loves that man. And it's not hard to see why. Yeah, I mean, he definitely still has fun with it. If you saw his home during the draft and whatever the heck was going on there, the fact that he's going on <laughs> Taylor Lewan's podcast yep. and doing those kinds of things. Because, look, I mean. And talking about cutting things off or oh, Super yeah. Bowl win. I mean, Absolutely. This, isn't your, this isn't your, he may be considered from the, I, I use this term lightly, from the Belichick tree of coaching to be clear he's concluded because he spent so long there as a player but he's definitely not cut from the same cloth no no I think there's some things that uh now Belichick if you do some research that guy will have some fun behind the scenes but anything in public or whatnot he's very that's I guess that's what I mean is that variables not afraid to do it in public oh, yeah. if you there's hear no the, the steeplechase story where like uh I can't remember the name of the reporter but she's walking down the street and all of a sudden variable comes busting out of the uh the bushes to help her up the hill, and then he disappears into the night again. <laughs> it's yeah, like, where did he go from? There. <laughs> it's 
crazy. So that's, that's your coach. And that's, that's not a bad thing. That's a good person to have. And I, I really am looking forward to the next couple of years. If they continue to be successful, I hope they extend him because I, I think that he is a, he so far has been a good answer for what was a revolving door after Jeff Fisher. And a lot of, a lot of people not happy. I mean, that's say what you will about p- past coaches. There was a large contingent that, that was not happy. This is one of the first years I've ever heard that there wasn't a whole lot of complaining about the head coach. Oh, absolutely. So how do we how do you translate that going from what was last year a, a team that did go nine and seven but made the a, made the AFC championship game? How do you translate that from a coaching perspective going into next year and kind of what that impact is going to be? What's the biggest changes from it? Because there's an element of it. Hey, let's uh, just keep on that momentum. We made it to the AFC championship game. One big change though is they're they're losing Dean Pease mm-hmm. and kind of what that impact is going to be from not having a defensive coordinator. There's some impact there. You're gonna. It's. I, I still want to see how that's going to play out. Now he's. I think that he said that he's going to have a lot of input into that, but I think it's going to be a collective group effort from what I've heard as far as the defensive coaching staff is going to come up with a plan and then they're going to stick with it. That's not much different. And someone will have the play calling duties, but it'll be from, uh, this is a bad way to say it, but a script. They'll be, they'll say, this is our, this is our situation. This is what we'd like to do. There'll be a lot of that. But so that's, I'll let you speak more to the impact there because I think you've got a good handle on the defensive side of that. But what I want to say is that I think it's going to also kind of cater or welcome in the, the evolution, continued evolution of Arthur Smith. Not to say that it wasn't completely hands-off, but Vrabel had more time to be more involved with the offense. I think that he doesn't have that luxury this year. So we're going to continue to see if Art Smith is going to continue to flourish, which I think think that he really hit a groove last year, especially when after the quarterback change and everything like that. And let's let's just throw this out there. We're not going to talk much more about the the, the quarterback change and all that, but that's a tough decision to make. You have to give the starter a chance. You have to do all that. You don't have that decision next year. You've got your guy. This, from a decision-making process. You've got your guy. He works in this offense. Art Smith really clicked with him. So I think you're going to see more of that that relationship develop. I think that's actually going to be a good thing based on what I saw. So those are things I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and it'll be interesting on the defensive side because, you know, when you got Dean Pease over there, look, yeah, you want to be involved in it. You're the head coach. But at the same time, like, you, you could leave, and P- Dean Pease has got it. He's Dean Pease. Right, exactly. Yeah, so he's definitely going to have to have his hands more on the defense, and it'll be interesting to see as far as the play-calling perspective because clearly whoever is calling the plays, if it's not Vrabel, is not going to have the same autonomy that Dean Pease did. Otherwise, he would have been named the defensive coordinator. And so... Vrabel is going to be involved in it. So it is going to be a, um, you may be calling the play. Somebody other than Vrabel may be calling the plays. And as we talked about, I think he gets caught up in the moment uh, of some game time decisions and some gameplay strategy. So I would like to be to see him be able to focus on that rather than worrying about the very next play. So uh, it will be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. But yeah, like you said, I think it's more of, uh, of an endorsement of Art Smith's ability to handle the offense on his own, which it's funny. You talk about Art Smith and, and all the kind of stuff that we've heard, but there's kind of this growing narrative that he's a he's a 2021 head coaching candidate. Well, if he if he knocks it out of the park in this scenario, oh, yeah. then you can pretty much 100%. And I, and I hate that, but again, you don't want to deny a guy a chance to go on and be good. Um, but it's going to, I really like this, this as a Titans fan on the outside looking in, I really like this, 
this staff they've got together, if they can add a defensive coordinator at some point, the Vrabel can trust to, to take over that. I think that's just going to be good steps for them. And, I, and I'm really going to hate it when Art Smith, as it stands right now, I have a, I reserve my right to, to stand corrected after I see the season. But I really don't think that's going to happen because I saw growth there. And if you, and if you and it was always interesting to me because the questions were, can Art Smith do it before that last year? The interesting story that came out for me was that he was already deciding red zone plays, third down decisions. He was already making high pressure decisions. Because I'm, you know, 80, uh, 20, the 80 yards, 20 to 20, keep the drive go, find a way to make the drive go. You've got your list of plays. Things get tighter when you get down there to the red zone, when you get into goal line situations, when you have big third down. Oh yeah, that playbook shrinks. The playbook shrinks. And so I'm t- when I'm talking about he's making those kind of pressure decisions, now granted he, may, he has less to pick from. Probably you can make that argument, but he still having to make high-level decisions in high-level moments, and they were already relying on him to create those lists. Knew he could. I knew he could handle the pressure, just how can he handle the nuances and can he get into the rhythm? And it took some time. Um, it clearly wasn't working with Mariota for myriad of reasons. Go check Twitter if you want to see him. Tannehill made it click, and from then on, it was gangbusters for this offense. Yeah, so it, it will be interesting to see the dynamic of it, but I, I am excited about it. I do think that they have the foundation to kind of build on. So what will be as we exit this offseason, and I know we're, we're going to get into, we have several weeks to get into really what the outlook of 2021 2020 going into 2021 i didn't misspeak i didn't misspeak. i was just working backwards i, I don't know what day it is yeah, do, right. doing everything it's been a crazy few months so don't expect me to know the year i can't even tell you what time it is right now we're, my wife and daughter were telling me hey at this certain time on this certain day we're gonna do this i'm like hey could you just give me like a 15 minute notice and i'm good because i don't know what i don't know when that is yeah, so I how this outlook looks like they are definitely building on something. Now, they're not exactly touting the good to great kind of mantra this time. There's definitely the opportunity to to, to do that. Be though. great. Yeah, finish being great. So, I mean, when we look at going into this season, where would you say kind of your biggest hole on the team is? I like how you put that biggest hole because where I'm going to start is the people who create the holes for the running back. And it's... I hate to say the whole, but what I'm interested to see what plays out is because you're going from Jack Conklin at the right tackle position. They drafted Isaiah Wilson. Dennis Kelly is the backup, and they've said, and all indications before the draft was that it was going to be his job to lose. Drafting a right tackle in the first round puts that into question for me, especially when you get a guy who, this offense wants to do what, first and foremost? Establish the run. I don't know if you've had a chance to go out and take a look at the highlights for Isaiah Wilson, but that dude is a mauler. Opinions aside, he's a first-round draft pick. Maybe he's a first-round draft pick next year, but they got him when they got him. They wanted him. And I'll say this. John Robinson has is, is, is earned some, um, and you made fun of me during the draft for this, but I've constantly said that John Robinson has earned some mistakes for me because his decisions, more often than not, have worked out, especially when he's drafting who he chooses to bring in, he brings in good quality people, and they then more often than not, they work out. I mean, you can think of what out of roughly 15 people, two didn't work out that kind of a ratio. I'm, I'm completely pulling numbers here. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact. My point there is, I should have learned to not naysay the pick during the draft and trust in Robinson. And you got onto me for that, rightfully so. And I just want to see the continued gelling because this offensive line was really working. Taylor Lewan, I don't care what top 10s come out. That's a top tackle in the game. Top left tackle in the game. He 
absolutely deserves the money he's being paid. I think he's one of two tackles in the past few years who's, who graded out in the top 10 in both running and passing at the same time. So he's a do-it-all tackle at one of your most important positions. You've got Nate Davis coming back in for his second year. I'm looking for continued improvement. That's why I wanted to see continued right tackle. So I would have, from a not talking about financials, not talking about concerns for the future, from a consistency standpoint, I would have liked to see Conklin sit next to him just so you have him coming into his second year. He knows what to expect out of Conklin. Ben Jones is still there. Roger Saffold and, and Luan, once they got going, that was a that was beautiful offensive line work to see. So I'm really interested to see how that right tackle position comes in, whether it's Kelly, whether it's Wilson, if they're going to continue to have that, or if they're going to have to go through a four games again where they're really having to learn and stay away from their right side because from a predictability standpoint, you don't want to have to do that. So I'm hoping it works out, and that's what I'm looking forward to going into next year. Yeah, so really what you're, you're saying, it's not necessarily a hole or a problem, but it's an unproven, so it's more of yeah, a question. More of a question, and I, I can say that, that I can spin this to say that a question is a hole because I don't know, and, and sure. you, you can't see something you don't know. You could fall into it, so it's a hole there somewhere. Well, and know. especially uh, <laughs> the way this team is constructed and the way they played last year, not being able to run the ball dominantly, and I'm not going to say effectively, but dominantly yeah. will impact this team sure. greatly. So you're hoping that first round pick, if you're taking him in the first round, regardless of what talking value, if you took him in the first round, he needs to be a first round value. Yeah. Done. Yeah. So uh, for me, it's not so much a question so much as I know what they have and don't have. And that's speed on offense. I think in today's day and age, you look at the impact, you, you look at what the Chiefs did, that you got Tyreek killed there incredible speed and so the the Chiefs definitely doubled down and then they go get McCall Hardman last year to add additional speed the game is about speed so the Titans aren't built the same way obviously they're still more of a running team but you talk about an effective play action game when you look at speed the Titans speed comes in the form of undrafted free agents and small guys so yes Khalif Raymond can run Yes, Cameron Batson from two years ago at this point can run, but they're, they're, there's physics involved here, guys. I mean, like, they are not built to take the wear and tear of an entire NFL season. There's a reason why that there's been minimal plays for them. There have been big impact plays, and trust me, because I, I, I was about to lean back in my chair and go, but, John, what about Khalif Raven? So that's he is very fast, and that Baltimore game is going to stick out for a lot of people, and, and I've seen it already argued that the Titans are good on speed. Because of that, I'm sorry, that's not the type of speed and not the type of consistency that you need to see to have speed on offense. So you, you look at schematically what it can do, because yes, A.J. Brown can take a, take a play and go. He absolutely can. The problem is is that he is not he doesn't do it by speed. He does it by breaking tackles and being a just gigantic wide receiver and built like a Mack truck. The entire Titans offense is built that way. And I am, I am here for AJ Brown. I'm excited to see his year two. It's he's one of the better wide Titans take all the fandom out. This is one of the first times that I've seen a rookie receiver and I'm really excited to see the the step the year uh, second year because typically receivers take a better step in year two if they're going to be good. I, I'm interested to see how he can get better because he was phenomenal. So you, you see, you got these guys here, but if you added a true speedster and how the defense has to respect that speed, it impacts everybody on that offense. And it doesn't have to be somebody that is catching a ton of balls. Can they make some of those impact plays when they're on the field? And it requires somebody to actually pay respect to that. Because you look at your A.J. Browns, you look at your Derrick Henrys, your Jonu Smiths, the guys that are going to go out there and break those tackles, give them an extra yard. 
Give him an extra yard to get going. Look at Derrick Henry. You take him down early, he still goes down early. He is not the big bruiser. He has grown into that a bit more than he used to, but he still makes his real big plays when he gets going. So make those safeties play another yard back. Make them have to respect that speed, and it helps everyone there. You like A.J. Brown in the open field trying to have that, make that tackle on the move will make those plays more consistent for him to do that rather than being able to drape around him and have to make that broken tackle right as he's catching the ball. That's where speed can impact the team, and that's why I think they should have tried to address that in some way, shape, or form. And I think the good news is they've proven they can win with what they have on, as far as speed goes. I do think you win in today's NFL by scoring points. Defense is still very valuable, don't get me wrong, but it's not what it was 20 years ago. Speed on offense kills. Yeah, and you hit on something there because, like I said, we're going to try to bring this from a coach's perspective about how things looked. And just to harp on what you said there, because I agree 100%, it's much easier to run the entire offense if the defense isn't able to cheat, tilt, or stunt their way into making your life hard. One way to do that is even even if your deep threat isn't catching every time he runs deep, but just the constant threat of a consistent deep threat, to your point, can back those safeties up a couple of yards. Now, Derrick Henry doesn't have to worry about a 15-man box, it seems like at times, even though he ran through some of those quite well. That's the kind of things you're looking for, and that's the kind of advantages you want to see as a coach to see that, okay, safety's bailing early. Now we can get this going. Screens possibly could work because they're too worried about going downfield. But look look where A.J. Brown and really Corey Davis make their money. It, it's not on these deep oh, fades. Yeah, exactly. It's on these deep crossers. It's on these slants. slants it's getting the, the ball in the middle of the field. If that safety doesn't have to respect the speed, then he's crashing on that immediately. Sure. And can A.J. Brown and, and Corey Davis and Jonu, can they make, break those tackles? Absolutely. But what if that safety is having to respect that deep route from the slot receiver or from the opposite side receiver for if, say, whoever is on the other side, whatever formation they're running? So that's where they could really have an impact just on the core guys that were there. It doesn't just improve by saying, okay, they have this guy and he can go catch this many balls, but it's how many balls are he, is that person going to help AJ Brown or the other receivers make sure. to even more explosive plays? hundred percent agree with you. And we've covered a lot. This has been insightful. Hopes people got stuff out of it. I, we're going to have a lot to cover as we go as we progress through this off season, as we get closer and closer to the season, we'll have, we may have a special segment on how to deal with COVID response from a coach's perspective and how you're going to plan for that on a week to week basis. We're going to have an outlook coming up, just a few things for the next show outlook for next season, roster reviews, any last minute additions. We may go through a couple of rumors, even though we didn't go through that this time, there's been some hot and heavy stuff out there, man. The Brady stuff. Don't want to get on that too much. Cause I think that ship has sailed. We got the right guy. In my opinion, Clowney, Jamal Adams has come up in the offseason. There's been a whole lot of names, so we'll dive into that a little more as we get through this. Give us some stuff to talk about as we go. Um, anything last minute from this show you want to talk about or anything we missed you might have think of? No, excited to be back, excited to be part of Coach's Corner, excited to be part of Broadway Sports Media. So it's just an exciting time, not just because uh, sports are coming back, but it's exciting to be part of a new endeavor. So check out, like we said earlier, check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Got that right? Yes, sir. Nailed it. For a ton of content, there will be lots of other shows, lots of other articles, lots of good stuff coming, man. Lots of exciting things, exciting times for this for this sport for us. Check us out individually on Twitter at JB on Broad for Jonathan or check out 
Ryan on Broadway for me. That's going to do it for now. Until next time. We out. See ya.